I'm Kim. I'm Megs. Welcome to the At With Them podcast. Hey. and podcast i'm mags kim can't keep it together welcome to episode seven i don't i didn't know how to say i'm kim after that <laughs> you just did okay all right uh i'm so excited to talk about this episode actually this week because today we're chatting about all things wellness and self-care both as kind of a personal practice but also something that's become this really massive industry in popular culture i think for anyone that spends time on social media or even just like shops online, which is basically everybody, it's clear that wellness has really become this kind of buzzword. While it's like so awesome to hear more people talking about personal care and mental health, I feel like it can also be a little challenging to differentiate between the practices that work for you and the practices that are kind of being marketed to you as Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. one size fits all solution to, you know, happiness. No, for sure. And like, and I wonder too, because like there, there is a turning point where conversations kind of shift from a positive dialogue to something that's like toxic, unproductive, that's a little more restrictive and a little more aggressive. What do you think is that turning point? Like when when is that shift occurring? I don't know cuz it's it's such a tricky line between what's positive for some people may not be as helpful to others. So you really have to be able to differentiate for yourself what messaging is meant for me and what messaging is maybe more applicable or beneficial to somebody else. Self-care and wellness really look different for everyone. So what makes you maybe you feel good isn't necessarily what's gonna fill me up yeah and it's about taking that time to figure out for yourself and really like prioritizing yourself amongst you know the million other responsibilities you have every day and not get swept up in that messaging but I think more specifically I guess to answer your question I think it's when those questions or conversations turn into something that's a bit more toxic or unhelpful is when it's being approached as more of that black and white one size fits all conversation and that's just it's not the case it's about making a dialogue where people can openly share their experiences in a way that helps them grow on their own journey rather than trying to fit them into yours and you know what I just thought of too which may be a magical metaphor or may not be but do you remember like (laughs) when we those like preteen magazines that were just filled with uh, different quizzes or even like BuzzFeed mm-hmm. in general. Not everybody is taking every BuzzFeed quiz. My husband's not going to be taking which Disney princess are you. That's a really great way of you get to pick and choose which quizzes you would take in those magazines or which quizzes you take when you're mindlessly scrolling. But I feel like when it comes to wellness and everything it seems very much everybody has to do this all together at the same time you know it's a yeah it just free exactly and I think that that's really what it comes down to is like everyone's on their own path and when you have this messaging that says if you're not doing this you're wrong or these are the things that your wellness routine is missing those kind of conversations aggressive yeah yeah, when it when it doesn't give you the option of saying, hey, maybe these things would work for you and it becomes you need to be doing this is when it I think that's when the conversation really turns into something that's like maybe not as positive. Yeah, bye. 
<laughs> bye bye <laughs> what do you think do you feel like there's enough of those conversations about you know is it okay to not be okay yeah so this is i was literally going to mention this that you know in all of this ideology of like how to be fit and healthy and and how to prioritize your wellness you don't see as much on like the the more negative side of things and like when you have that question is it okay to not be okay like I've seen it pop up here and there you know I spent a lot of time reading on online and stuff and I don't frequently see it but I think of it like you know have you ever had like a really good sob and I mean like sob from like a language point of view not like a cry where you're just you know shedding some tears but like including noises like a child where you're like duh, 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 you know? and it's just like I remember comedian Dane Cook had a comedy special where he talks about when you're really you know having that cry you choose a phrase that you repeat over and over again and in the case of his show it was I did my best you look at yourself <laughs> in the mirror and then you just cry and until you're all cried out and it's like you're a 10 year old and you're like whatever right but i feel like i could use one of those this week (laughs) the point is after you have one of those cries in most cases i usually feel better Mm -hmm. i get it all out of my system and then as i'm blowing my nose and and pulling myself together i feel things are a little more clear and that you know i still might be stressed or upset or sad or whatever was the cause of it usually it's just ignoring that there's things that i need to deal with and just putting it off and i think that's what ties into this wellness culture and this this idea of the the positivity associated with it like that kind of mm-hmm. for positive all the time you see a lot of messages and quotes and stuff about how how to approach life in the most positive way possible and I think that's like a suppression rather than an acceptance you need the bad to appreciate the good all that kind of like cheesy like you can't see mm-hmm. the light without the darkness but it's true <laughs> Well, and sometimes you just need that release of, like you said, pe- like things that maybe you haven't been dealing with or just pent up emotion from, you know, stress that you've had to push aside because you've had responsibilities to take care of. And sometimes you just need like a reset button. Yeah. And like, I think if being an overly pessimistic person or, or having a lot of negativity all the time sucks for everyone around you, but being super optimistic and like, almost blindly positive <laughs> is really bad for yourself because you're just kind of like, everything is fine. I twitch, I twitch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was reading this thing. Dr. Jamie Zuckerman is a licensed clinical psychologist and trained cognitive behavior therapist, a mouthful in itself, kind of describing this as the assumption either by oneself or others that despite a person's emotional pain or difficult situation, they should always have a positive mindset. The pet peeve term, you know, positive vibes. (laughs) I mean, like, words are so important. I think the way that we talk about all these things, that the the wording is really what you said, is how things are worded. That, for us or for, for you, and, and for me too, is the turning point. I know that you hate, like, hustle. <laughs> hustle <laughs> culture. And I was editing one of our, our previous episodes, and, and you made a note. So I want you to come back to that, you know, because it's a cringe one for me. Like, what do you think about that word? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Words are incredibly important. And especially working as as a writer for a big part of my job, I see how just specific little things can really shape so much of our understanding of things, and especially just our attitudes surrounding them. My issue with hustle culture 
really comes down to this idea of like personal boundaries mm-hmm. and work-life balance and the less this idea with hustle culture that the less you have of that the more successful you're meant to be so we've really built this culture of praising the late nights and the weekends spent oh, working yeah. but then sometimes the days off or the weekends spent disconnected from your email are equally as important to your success and there's really a big gap in that hustle culture conversation where that's just not talked about you can't really be the best version of yourself if you're on all the time and don't give yourself that chance to really you know sit back and decompress and just relax i guess the best way of really explaining this is you know if you ever had an issue or maybe like a problem you're trying to solve and you're sitting there and you just like can't work out the solution no matter Mm -hmm. how hard you focus on it And then it's, like, the second you go take a shower, like, you know, they talk about, like, shower thoughts or, like, (laughs) go for a walk. And all of a sudden you're, like, oh, my God. Like, there's that answer that, like, I have been sitting around waiting for. It was there the whole time. I just had to, like, stop trying so hard. Right. It's that difference between, sure, you spent three hours working your ass off on something because you're feeling stuck and, like, you're hustling and you're, like, not going to take a break until it's done or you spend one hour doing it, but because you took that 30 minute break, you had a stroke of inspiration and it solved. And I think that's especially true with creative work. Like the harder you try sometimes, the harder things get. And so for me, hustling has always just felt really counterproductive in a lot of ways. That's not to say that those long nights and weekends aren't important sometimes, but it's just, it's about balance. And I think, like you said, with words, that, that language of balance and taking time away and setting personal boundaries is often missing from that hustle culture conversation even even there's a shift so i know that it's coming from like a religious point of view but you know the other thing is like weekends right how you treat your weekend so before in in countries where you have kind of like a dominant religion usually the religious day of importance is off and like I like it from whether you're religious or not I think the idea of having a day of rest the reason Canadians you have you had Sundays off was because you had dominant Christian religions here in Canada and so Mm -hmm. you would have Sunday everything was closed like you couldn't do anything you you know it was a time to go to your religious services and then to rest you would do like Sunday family dinners whatever and as we move into like a hustle society think of like when we have a a holiday like the day before family day we were I don't know we went to, to shoppers drug mart or something And there was like lineups outside the grocery store and like where we are in Waterloo, we never really see lineup. I don't know if it's like we don't have enough people or there's enough grocery stores that you don't have. No, even, yeah. Even around here, I, it's, it's rare to see a lineup Yeah, so we saw a lineup and and I was like, what the heck? And it's like, oh, right. People are panicking because tomorrow (laughs) during family day, right back in February, things, Mm -hmm. everything would be closed for the day. Oh my gosh. And it's a funny kind of panic where it's like before things were closed on Sundays and then small businesses in Toronto actually I know (laughs) it was our old neighbor where we used to where I grew up their dad was the one who we need to actually look this up I don't know I think it was in the 1960s or 70s where they switched over things being closed on Sundays to things being open on Sundays right right so like I wonder too it's like do you take a day off like do you have a set day where you really do nothing slash do you feel guilty for doing nothing I mean for me the whole idea of 
boundaries, especially as a freelancer, it has been a huge learning curve for me. Because I think when I first started working this kind of lifestyle three, almost four years ago now, it was the novelty of that flexibility was so exciting that mm-hmm. I was like, well, I can work whenever I want. I cannot work whenever I want. And what happened was I was basically working all the time with these like little one hour, two hour breaks in between. I couldn't figure out why my mental health was really suffering. It wasn't until I said, okay, you know what? I'm switching back to that nine to five with the option of being flexible should I ever need it and really structuring my days all of a sudden I felt so much better and so much more I guess like separated in being able to differentiate that for me also had to do with separating workspaces like you know not working from the couch and things like that which is I think a lot of things that a lot of people have learned over the last year with COVID and having to work from (laughs) home is like how to set those personal boundaries and for me a big part of it was I log out of my work email like my work email is not on my phone I you know I do a lot of social media for a living for a lot of my clients but I sign out of all of their accounts on the weekend so that I only have my own on my phone and really like set that boundaries because otherwise I just sucks you in you start reflexively checking and all of a sudden you're like why do I feel like I had no weekend yeah and I mean away if you're on Instagram and you message like a company like I I think I'm the only person who does this but I message their no profiles and businesses all the time just to like kind of chat and connect and to be like oh, like, I'm so happy, the Canadian base, blah, blah, blah. And then sometimes when they don't respond to me (laughs) immediately (laughs) on a Saturday afternoon, I'm like, okay, wow, their customer service (laughs) could be better. And then I'm like, wait a second, what? You know, it feels like such an inconvenience from the point of the consumer, as a consumer, when a store is closed or like, you know, for me, it's emails. I try not to email on the weekends because I hate getting emails on the weekends. This kind of expectation and it's like it, it's it's upsetting like what do you mean yeah. this this store is closed on mondays this is a minor inconvenience to me that i will i will ha- like do i not have other things <laughs> that take yeah, precedence well, <laughs> exactly and that's it and that's exactly it and i think for me it was that i've had weekends where i have to work and sometimes that means sending emails to people for me i have never held it against anyone for emailing me on a saturday i just learned that i was the solution to that problem you know like the the answer was me removing myself from that situation where if I don't like receiving emails on weekend it's not on other people to not email me on the weekend because they have lives and they have things they're balancing too and sometimes that means they have to they have to send something out on a Saturday because you know they're off on a Monday and they need to get me some information or something like that but if I don't want to see on a weekend the easiest thing I can do is remove that and draw those boundaries for myself it's still something that I think is very much a work in progress and I am far from perfect with it <laughs> and, and yeah we're, it's a slow it's a slow burn okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, a lot of the marketing we see today, it, like, discusses this idea of self-everything. What's your take on this focus on the self? When we look at, like, keywords and from, like, an SEO point of view, so I, I do a lot of writing for work and, and one of the things I pay attention to are, like, keywords. Um, so for those of you that don't know what SEO is, it's search engine optimization. And it's a way of basically writing so that what you're writing 
and who you're writing for. They move through like Google rankings. They're able to be found and that your whatever you're writing like just gains more popularity, right? Am I missing anything in that? No, that's yeah. great. Your basic, you know, <laughs> it's funny because people who don't really are, are not completely familiar with it. Sometimes they'll be like, use SEO strong words or like there's just like this idea. People know that word now and, and you know, rich content, whatever. As I'm writing myself, I find that words like self-care, self-love, self-anything and everything, they do well because people are looking for it. People, there is an audience for it. Before we even got into this, like I kind of dug around to see when the phrase hit popular culture and like to kind of determine its origins. I feel like it's everywhere now, but when I was in high school, did was there even a mention of it? Do you even remember in high school? No, I really do feel like it's come up within the last, I don't even think it was really around when, university, when, right? Yeah, like almost 20. 2015 ish like yeah, I so feel like it guess, was kind of guess. like end of university yeah so like I mean the term self-care it actually has medical roots so it was coined somewhere in the 1950s and it was used to describe activities that allowed institutionalized patients to preserve some sort of like physical independence. They did simple tasks that would help nurture a sense of self-worth and, you know, such as exercising or personal grooming. It's actually, if you guys really want to like do some homework after the podcast, <laughs> then take a look. This, this is your assignment. <laughs> we want to hear about it on Instagram. Read into the history of self-care because I would love to get into it, but it would just take... It would just be an hour of me being like, and then in 1973, you know. <laughs> can we link? Can we link to something? Is yeah. there something that you like? Yes, found yeah, there that was maybe a good, we can link to for people to read. There was a good article that I read that will that will link in that everybody can just have like a, huh, didn't know that moment because that that was me. And I do a lot of like shaking my head in private where like just like nod up and down. <laughs> I must look so funny to the crows that are outside the window being like, what is she doing? But anyways, you know, working in marketing and working in, um, oh, there's a dog just running around. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. I, I'm, you come on. I'm like, squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just looked out the window and there's like, is that a Great Dane? Okay, so I'm on the second floor, and so I can see out onto, like, we have these green spaces in a parking lot. Oh, there's the guy. Okay, ha <laughs> Oh, I wish everybody could see this. <laughs> Live. <laughs> there's a great team running around, and there's a guy trying to catch him. Hilarious. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. So back to marketing and, you know, working in marketing and writing and stuff. Like, we kind of touched upon this whole black and white approach to things. I really refuse to go out there and be like, self-love will solve everything and anything. And... We kind of touched upon this in two weeks ago's episode about your 20s and how a lot of it is marketed to like self and like even the word itself, self-care, self-love, whatever. It's just it's all about self. And like I think that balanced self (laughs) sounds better to me than just like self this, self that because it feels like such a selfish approach or it completely removes the idea that sometimes helping self comes from helping others. Rarely in like, you know, how to practice self-love on a weekend. Do you see like a go and see if you can do some sort of yard work for Nana, COVID pending or whatever, right? But like, can you, can you help somebody in your family 
can you pick up groceries or I don't, I don't know it's so hard to talk yeah. about it with like <laughs> COVID still looming it's like you know what I mean though you don't really see lists being like go help someone and that will make you feel good too right no totally and I see a tie into actually one of our, our past episodes when we talked about love languages I think that that applies to self-love too in the sense of especially with people like you said that are acts of service their way of kind of expressing their appreciation for others and also how they love to feel loved and so when you have situations where sometimes doing things for others is what recharges and refreshes people and sometimes it's not about making it all about you it really is about like how can we come together and that you know I mean it's the reason that volunteerism and stuff like that I mean we went to a university that was I think number one in volunteerism in all of Canada yeah for a long time It, it was because there was such a community and it really was I know I was really involved throughout my years of school and you know it was where I met my friends and really felt I would come home feeling recharged from it and it was about the community and doing something to make a difference all of that that really made me feel good you know what this kind of reminds me of slightly off topic but you know the friends episode where phoebe is trying to find like a selfless act because (laughs) joey points out he's like yeah there's no such thing as a selfless act because you're doing everything to make yourself feel better (laughs) and she has like a (laughs) full-blown meltdown we don't want anybody to have that yeah sure it helps yourself to help other people but you know what i mean like at least somebody is getting help but it's not just i didn't know that about laurier though that's that's interesting yeah yeah we were really number billion for wi-fi in any public yeah. spot Terri- terribly ranked for wi-fi but excellent <laughs> in volunteerism i think also just so what if helping other people makes you feel good then that's awesome it's more encouragement for you to continue to help people yeah, like i don't see win. why it would win. ever yeah yeah exactly i don't yeah. see why it would ever be problematic if you're doing something purely to help others but it makes you miserable like that's not a good thing either yeah no you're just draining yourself by helping others then like yeah that's gonna get you nowhere and then the other thing that i wanted to kind of touch upon in this whole idea of self everything and is this idea of like who the loudest voice in the room is whether it's somebody on tiktok somebody with like a celebrity endorsement with a good blog courtney kardashian i'm finding that just because you're louder does not make you a legitimate (laughs) expert on anything you know how you're saying that the language of how some of these things that we read is written in i literally saw an article like six mistakes you're making with your oatmeal and one of them was like don't you dare put berries in your oatmeal and i was like what and oh so my God, yeah well and like one of the biggest examples i think of and this is to throw absolutely no shade at goop but <laughs> because <laughs> i i actually find some of their articles really interesting and like, I, I subscribe to their newsletter goop is and gwyneth like, I, paltrow right for yes i was like gonna get into that that it's, it's so it's gwyneth paltrow's kind of wellness company and it's a it's i mean they have their own netflix series like it has really become a huge voice in that industry and they've put out a lot of really like awesome content and a lot of really great stuff but on the flip side of that most of I shouldn't say most but a lot of their things that they share and a lot of the products they promote are unobtainable to Mm. half the population Mm -hmm. because of price in my opinion at least in my I guess like circle of media that I interact with I would say they're one of the loudest voices when it comes to self-care and wellness but are their approaches necessarily beneficial to me or like usable by me no not always like sometimes it's not always the most accessible voice for me but it is certainly one of the loudest sure that ties into this this movement towards super does clean eating equal restrictive eating heck yeah it does 
you know, when you see, when I see like 10 ways to introduce a clean eating regimen, whatever, it's don't eat this, don't do this, don't do that. And, you know, when you talk to actual healthcare providers and nutritionalists and naturopaths, nobody's ever going to tell you to, you know, sure, if you're eating a lot of cake every day, they might be like, tone it down on the cake. You, you it, don't see a it's language balance, of, right? It, yeah, you see a language of balance, not a language of shaming and aggression. You need to be spending x amount of dollars on this and this and this or else you will not how the heck did every how did we get here today was not by people on supplements and and just eating avocados we'll get to avocados in a later episode <laughs> a, whole episode, a whole on episode on avocados coming on, at you soon on botany it's not all negative like for you in this whole like we're talking about it feels kind of negative but there are a lot of positives to this like what do you personally take from it that you're you know like kind of a impressed with that you like and that you you know is not something that you see as detrimental or restrictive or you know all those kind of negative words so I actually read something recently which really kind of struck home for me as really encompassing personal wellness and like wellness practices as a whole is this idea that it's a process that has no final destination and I like this idea that if you know if you look at any real relationship a person outside of yourself there's work involved and there's effort required to effort that's never really going to be finished they say you need to be your own best friend but I think when you look at your real best friend if you stopped you know putting in the work to call them and check in on them and be there for them and celebrate them Mm -hmm, and all these mm -hmm. things that you do for the people you love you drift apart you'd not really be great friends anymore so treating yourself with that same kind of priority where to have that great relationship and feel happy in who you are you need to be mindful of you know how how do you that process and how do you show up for yourself and really build that relationship in this idea that like it's gonna end like that's a relationship that you're gonna constantly be maintaining your entire life and so rather than looking at it like okay if I do this then I'll be happy look at it like okay like what's what in this season of my life is gonna make me happy that could be totally different five years from now and like how do you keep building on that process and building and showing up for yourself yeah I think for me that really just like summarized the the whole idea of of true self-care you don't have I think it, it gets back to the it's okay to not be okay, which kind of extends out to not just it's it's okay to not be okay, but it's okay to not be great <laughs> at everything. Like, you know, when it comes to facets of how you take care of yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, it's made up of like little Tupperwares and keeping all those mm-hmm. Tupperwares clean and, and closed and, and in good condition. Tupperwares take a beating. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, it's, you know, sometimes you have to get new Tupperwares and sometimes you need to spruce up how you're doing things and sometimes you'll find something disgusting in a Tupperware. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't, that you should stop with your Tupperwares. Like, it just means you need to clean them, start again, <laughs> potentially get a new one. Yeah. Well, exactly. And I, I think of even just, like, my own day-to-day like last night self-care for me looked like getting takeout sushi and watching like seven episodes of 90 day fiance and below deck (laughs) and that was what I needed that is what filled my soul and I just needed to veg out on the couch not think about anything and you know put my phone away today that looks like going out for a drive and maybe going for a run this morning those are two totally different things but they are what I needed on those specific days to make me feel good and there's nothing wrong with those things being a little bit contradictory <laughs> for sure and like, because it's about balance it's, yeah. <laughs> like we said I need my chips I need my dip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I need my pepper and chini kettle chips <laughs> and I also need some fresh air 
speaking of dip, I am obsessed right now. <laughs> we didn't even speak about dip, but I'm just finding any excuse to bring it into any conversation. <laughs> speaking of dip, nobody mentioned dip, even a little bit. <laughs> I wonder if we can get... <laughs> so What a great way to just work things into a conversation. No, no, I want to share this just, with like, the world. Hold sporadically on. be like, speak. Speaking of popsicles, which my latest way of as we're preparing for a baby and I am an occasional swearer, sailor swearer, we're just, my mom doesn't swear, okay, like at all. You say shit in front of her and she's like, oh, don't swear. And and there's like instances where my sisters and I will talk about <laughs> moments where she's sworn, sworn, where she swears, sweared, how do you, where she's, ha- she said a swear. Sworn, I think. <laughs> but anyway, so as, <laughs> as we prepare for for a baby to arrive it's like this idea of okay changing your swearing dialogue or like when you're upset dialogue because sometimes it feels good to just call someone something so now i've just been calling people who annoy me inanimate food food stuffs so it's like ah that guy was such a popsicle (laughs) or like what a mozzarella (laughs) stick (laughs) back to dip just really bringing it to a pg pg language (laughs) back to dips like we have ever been talking about dips like (laughs) i've been cut off because i didn't know this about my husband prior to me marrying him or else we would have been the only person talking about dips is you oh but hear me out hear me out so if my husband my husband has now started making dips for me i just one day he's like i'm feeling like a three three layer dip and i was like i didn't know you could make those (laughs) so he made them for me and now i ask every single day and he's like no we need to just take a break but we'll see if we can get (laughs) tilo to share the best three layer dip recipe ever no i'm gonna do an igtv on the at wits and instagram account show everyone how to make his famous three layer tip he's gonna be so mad when he hears this but okay. he's he's super excited to share it with you all <laughs> my husband's name is tilo everybody <laughs> i'm also just picturing his face when he hears that <laughs> He he uh, listened to one of the recent episodes. So normally there's a few people that we kind of will test episodes on. As everybody knows, because I've said it like a billion times, I'm the most pregnant ever. And so we are a few weeks ahead just because when baby arrives, like, you know, also Kim and I are very ambitious starting a podcast like two months before I was due. It's fine. So we've been recording <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're ahead of the times a little bit. And so, oh, the dog is loose again. What is up with these people? And they're <laughs> oh my god, it's just not a good day for concentration for me. But basically, yeah. So we test the podcast on a couple people that get to hear it a little bit early. Maybe we'll do like a lottery. Like, want to hear the podcast on Wednesday instead of Friday? <laughs> Here's a giveaway. <laughs> a, a, when we have a Patreon page. Yeah, he was listening to an episode and he was threatening to to comment something negative on our Instagrams because he felt personally affected or personally criticized (laughs) when I spoke about husbands. (laughs) But not the point. Anyways, this does lead us into our final segment of the show. So put your hands together for the Philomath segment. So today we're talking (laughs) about Xi Zhengzhu. And for anybody who is from China, and I might have probably that was horrible but i looked up the pronunciation but then i get nervous when i'm like on air and being like i i watched three pronunciation videos on how to say this properly and i probably still messed up but anyways 
we're talking about the female pirate queen of the world. In 1785, Shi Jingzhu was born and somewhere in southern China. Like, life was rough for her, so prostitution from a young age, living in, in poverty. When she was 26, she was captured by pirates. You know, the huge Casual. <laughs> yeah, rough life. So the leader of the pirates who captured her actually came from a long line of famous pirates, and he dug Shi Zhengzhu. They became the ultimate power couple. They adopted a son. They got married. You know, together they defeated the entire Vietnamese army, which is like quite the feat. Could you imagine at like 27, you're like, Haha, Vietnam's army, they got nothing on my band of pirate ships. Just like a badass. Absolutely not. At 27, I'm still, wow, what would it be like to own a home, <laughs> let alone take on an entire army? <laughs> Will I ever have so... enough for a down a Heyman? <laughs> Yeah, let alone a whole fleet of ships. <laughs> to take down an army. <laughs> but she didn't go to school for it, which just says that go out there and follow your dreams. <laughs> yeah, follow your dreams. You can do, you truly do anything. Yeah. So in 1802, <laughs> this pirate couple, they, they brought together all the pirates across the Chinese coastline all the way up north and like south of China into like a united confederation of six fleets. The size of this area that they controlled is a flight time, not a boat ride, a flight time of six hours and 26 minutes. And that was like the span of their their coastline. So it's like somewhere from like South Korea to Malaysia. They're booming, they're, they're thriving. And then that same year, her husband dies. She mourns, she's sad, but it doesn't get her down. Sad. Yeah, like she <laughs> does. She doesn't let it keep her down. No, like she literally after some like, you know, when I was reading on it, the word or like the term "wicked power plays." You know, I watched a video and they use the same terminology. She made some pretty wicked power plays, and she takes control of the entire Confederacy. She Amazing. does marry her adopted son, which like okay, um, makes him a lieutenant. <laughs> a little weird, but <laughs> you know what? Like she's just to think of like how it's hard for women now still and we're learning and we're getting better but just imagine in the 1800s in asia as a pirate i feel like they wouldn't be that respectful of women whatever she takes control of it so like that is something so she must have been scary af anyway so she introduces a pirate's code and this is like the first time you have like kind of more structure she's organizing things and she introduces like formal production for fishermen where they have like documentations for self-passage she establishes financial offices everybody has to share their booty which i'm sure they weren't impressed but like the most impressive kind of thing or like i guess the most feminist thing that she does is that she introduces rules in regards to pirates and women and so the first one is if you were a pirate or any pirate that were to rape a kidnapped woman, they would immediately be executed. If a pirate purchased a woman, he had to marry her. Amazing. <laughs> and this is like <laughs> if it was a pretty woman, okay? Because there was a distinction here. But there here. was stipula stipulation on her looks. If they captured an ugly girl, immediately she would be set free. So like, <laughs> I, I mean, at least she's being set free. But I mean, that might be rough. That could also, <laughs> I mean, it could also be a win if you were a lady that maybe maybe you don't want to be married. So maybe you're okay that to you're a pirate. You're, yeah, <laughs> maybe you're, you're not considered <laughs> to be conventionally attractive. Exactly. Right. <laughs> You know, you break a law, then you get decapitated and your head gets thrown in the ocean. The most surprising thing is that early 1800s, that these rules worked and her pirate army grew 
to be about 17,000 men. At the time, the emperor was not impressed, <laughs> and so like, he was not really a fan of what the heck was happening on his east coastline, or his only coastline, I guess, and so he sent his naval fleet to challenge her and her pirates, and they were decimated. Like, she literally blew them out of the water. <laughs> Amazing. I love her. I love her already. And <laughs> I know. Just, like, the, the fierceness that's that had to be probably associated with this. I can't imagine the swashbucklers and the scallywags to, to not be of, some yeah. of, of such an impressive caliber. But anyway, so the emperor at that point reaches out to the British, to the Portuguese, you know, to come and, like, start this war. And she was like, nope, enough people have died. And so she actually entered into negotiations where they would kind of uh, come to a truce. No pirate would be harmed or imprisoned or anything. And instead, she got them all jobs in the military. <laughs> which like Amazing. Like, <laughs> she looked over everybody's job security. Like, to me, that's so like people don't do that now. What do you mean? She looked after the job securities of 17,000 men. Whatever, right? Also, so, like tying into this whole wellness thing, like she knew when it was time to step back. She knew when it wasn't it wasn't serving her anymore <laughs> to be in these battles. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to take care of everybody and I'm removing myself because like that's what's best for me and I'm my own best friend. Yeah, and everybody. <laughs> I take bubble baths after a long, hard day of pirating. <laughs> then she retired in 1810. She lived to be 69. And if you ever watch the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, um, it's the third one, I believe, at World's End. Um, there's a point in the at the beginning of the movie where they're having like a pirate council. So she's actually featured there. So you'll see her. Oh, cool. Yeah. So and she's I have to go back and watch. I remember that. Like, I can see that scene in my I think she eye. was one of the only females in that scene. I'd have to. I haven't watched it in a while, mm -hmm. but I, I'm, I'm probably going to do like a little marathon just to just to see her and be like, girl power. There is. Maybe we'll do this as a as a future segment. I'll do some more research. But there is an Irish pirate who's also a female who also did some incredible things and just like took over the world. I can't remember her name though, so we'll have to look it up. Yeah, we'll 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 throw it into one of our segments. But yeah, so that concludes the Philomath segment. You know, about do you want to know a, a fun fact? Sure. That I don't know if I've told you. So like my mom has done our family tree quite extensively, way, way back on a lot of our family lines, I guess, like my grandparents' lines. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have a relative who, his records, he basically shows up and disappears in all these different places throughout the world. And it actually matches up with the movements of Captain Kidd. Like oh my the gosh. famous pirate. And so they think he was like sailing with Captain Kidd. So basically what I'm saying is I'm also a pirate by lineage. <laughs> and like this story really like resonates with me. Because coming soon just... to a fleet near you. It's Kim. Yeah. I feel I feel closely tied to what you're telling me today. <laughs> Imagine the branding on that pirate ship. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, it would Yeah. Anyways, that's my fun my fun pirate story. That's your secret for the end of the show. <laughs> yeah my secret yeah when we told everyone we were gonna tell it our our deepest secrets mine's that i'm actually a pirate okay kim we gotta hear your r then r r <laughs> i was the, the least into like even i heard how not intimidating that was okay you're you're tall anyway so thank you everybody for tuning into episode seven i i do want to hear from from everybody about 
you know, your routines, things that, you know, if we talk about Kim's binging TV and eating her popcorn and then going for a run, the, you know, the balance of her of her self-care. And, I, and I'm just curious to, to hear and learn about our listeners. Like, how are you balancing these things? How are you bringing them together in a way that is working for you? Because it is a journey. It is a path, blah, blah, blah. You know, but it is something that we're all working. I like yeah, it for the for ideas. Sure. Exactly. And I think, like, it's just so interesting to hear what, what works for different people. And, yeah, I would love to know what are some of the things that maybe you don't hear talked about but that make you feel good and don't forget if you don't already follow us on instagram that we're at at wits end podcast on insta so follow us along if you're listening on apple Podcasts, don't forget to leave us a five star uh, rating and give us a review if you feel so inclined because it's super helpful for us to get seen by more people or else kim will come up to you and go <laughs> yeah, so, yeah i don't like you know my lineage so just <laughs> keep it. that in mind when you're writing the reviews <laughs> so till next week everybody Bye-bye. bye bye bye